0: monkeys what's up old uncle silver back here and you're listening to the armed date podcast today is saturday the 11th of june 2010 well it has been quite a while since i have been able to put out a show uh, and generally i record on the weekends that's when i usually have some free time but uh had a lot of stuff been going on the last few uh Weeks and really, I guess about the last kind of month and a half, we we've, we've had people in from out of town, and I think I mentioned on uh, on the last episode of uh, Firearms Cafe, my other podcast, that um, I was going to have knee surgery, and uh, I don't know how much of of that I'll kind of talk about today. Um, there are some things that I that I did want to talk about as far as kind of my the, the story of that. Um, but anyway, let's go ahead and get some of our contact info out of the way. Uh, I do have some feedback that I've got kind of saved up, and so we'll play that in today. Now, um, let's go ahead and, and get the contact info going. If you want to uh, call in and do the voicemail, which may be one of the easiest ways, that's 206-339-3266 or if you want to record mp3 or a wav file you can send that to me and attach it to an email and that would be thearmedape at gmail.com all one word thearmedape at gmail.com if uh, you've done a kind of a big review and it's it's uh the file is too big to go through the email you can always use transferbigfiles.com, or you know, if, if you can't remember what it is, just email me and I can send you a link to what that is. But it's transferbigfiles.com, and I've talked about this on on several shows. But basically, the way that it works is you would do a a review or an MP3 or whatever on the, on an MP3 or WAV file, excuse me, and then you upload that to them with my email address. They would send me an email saying, "Hey, you've got uh, some content over here." And then I would go over there and download that from their server. And it's free. I've used it uh, tons of times to send stuff. I've also gotten a bunch of stuff from you guys. I know Ken has sent some stuff in, um, and he's done a bunch of reviews for the show. Uh, but again, oh, one other thing about the, um, about the voicemail number, if you're going to use that, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool number, and I think the quality is pretty good. Um, I mean, it's a pretty cool service, and I think the quality is pretty good. But it, you do sort of need to be in a quiet room. I did get a a voicemail in, but it was so the audio on it was was um, was pretty bad. Uh, and I don't know if maybe somebody was was calling and they um, they had the window down or something like that. But um, I could kind of understand it. But I think what I'll do. Uh, on that is maybe I'll just kind of give the gist of what the person was saying. So uh but anyway, you also may notice a little bit of difference in the sound quality. Uh I the, the way that I recorded the podcast in the past was that I had a, a Logitech just a real simple USB microphone and it went right in it plugged into uh, to the USB port in the computer. And then I would record directly into the computer using Audacity, which is a a free uh, audio editing software. And I'm still going to be using Audacity, but the way that I'm recording is going to be a little different. You guys have, have, uh, if you've listened to this show and and to my other show, so if you've listened to The Armed Ape and if you've listened to Firearms Cafe, you know that initially I kind of thought that the sound quality was okay. Uh, I was able to sort of edit things or, or do kind of work with things um, when I would go to edit it. That if I needed to, I could boost sound or I could add stuff so it didn't sound so tinny. Hopefully, with what I'm using now, uh, you're going to notice that it's got a little bit maybe of a, a fuller or a richer tone. So I've kind of upgraded with with sort of one of maybe about three pieces of equipment that I, I'm going to get. And, you know, I've been doing this for, uh, well, starting, actually, I think my first podcast that I put out was uh, June 28th um, in 2008. So I've been doing this three years now, and uh, I've kind of decided it's something that I really like, and uh, although I don't get to put out the shows as often as I would like, I still, I still love, love putting them out. I love doing them. I love hearing from you guys. And, uh, it's something that I wanted to put a little bit of an investment in, uh, in kind of upgrading the equipment. And, uh, so one of the, th- one of the things th- i had mentioned earlier was that I, that I had recorded directly into the computer. Well, sometimes you can get what you can, you can pick up noise from the computer and, uh, you can, uh, so it'll, it'll come sometimes be a, a hum or a hiss. So what I'm recording into is the Edderall R09HR, and this is a, it's a portable recorder and it records on one of the little flash drives or on the little SD card type things. Uh, So that if, and I've had it happen in the past, it hasn't happened a lot, but I've had it happen a couple of times where the the computer crashed and then I couldn't um, retrieve the information. I couldn't retrieve the files that I was working on and so I had to redo them a couple of times. Also, you know, the, um, I had, I had done a show where I had done some interview an interview and I've also done or tried to do some things where I would sort of go out on the road and things like that. And it it never, the interview worked out okay. Uh, but man, I really, really had to work with that. And that was over on firearms cafe, um, And I I interviewed the guys that did, uh, which a lot of us wear, was the Wilderness Tactical and wear their uh, instructor belt. And, you know, they make the safe packer and stuff like that. So anyway, uh, if you're interested in that, you can go um, look those up on Firearms Cafe. Um, And it turned out okay, but I I, I had to work and work and work and work. And it took, I think the interview was, oh, maybe 45 minutes or so. Uh, but it took me probably two and a half hours to edit everything. So uh anyway, what this is is it's a it's a portable recorder, so I'll be able to kind of go out into the field if I want, um I'll record from different locations. So if I if I'm driving uh running some errands and doing some things like that, I can do kind of a road show. Uh I can also easily go uh if I want to do an interview for the show. I can easily go to a place of business and use this thing. The thing that I'm using, it looks like um, kind of like the old digital recorders that they used to come out. It's about as big as a little bit bigger, I guess, probably than a pack of cigarettes. It's real super light. Uh, it's got a couple microphones up on top and I'll probably do a review on this thing. Oh, maybe in a, in another couple of couple of months, once I get everything sort of all set up and I actually kind of get it and can use it. Um, the way that I intend it to do, which is basically that I'm also going to get a new microphone and I've got a, uh, a mixer on the way so that I can really kind of fine tune and control the stuff. And, uh, a mixer lets you do a lot of other things. So if I, if I can do some phone interviews or even if, uh, you know, we may do a thing where, uh, you know, I call up one of you guys or, you know, we get together and I can kind of do some interviews and things like that. Um. You know, and for the show and as well as for uh, for Firearms Cafe for my other podcast. Uh, so eventually what this thing will do primarily is it will it will record the audio for me. And then I'll take that audio and I'll put it into the computer. And then I'll be able to, to work with it, to edit it, add, add different things in. Um, what the mixer will help me do once I get that is it will allow me again to fine-tune a lot of stuff. Uh, and I'm actually buying the mixer from... Um, Vince Rotolo who as I who I talk about all the time and who's a real good friend of the show and just a all-around good guy um, I've got that on order he'll be shipping that out probably a few days or so um, but I, I bought his old mixer because he's upgrading uh, the process and what's nice about you know being able to get the thing from him is he's a known quantity uh, you know and, and this is what he's been using and his his stuff sounds really good uh, but then you know I don't have to risk kind of getting something off of eBay and maybe, um, you know, you never can be a hundred percent sure. Well, as what I'm and with eBay, you know, you do take a risk. There is a risk that what you're what you're going to be buying may be crap. Um, so once I get sort of all some of the equipment and um, the, the other piece of the puzzle is the microphone, and what I'm going to get is a it's a, a sure. And it's the, the 58, the SM58. The thing has a, a good reputation. It's, it's what a lot of the people in the, uh, the singers and stuff will use. Um, so it's a real solid mic. Um, it's got a real good reputation. And it's something that is supposed to be also just super tough as nails. So it's something, too, that if I take it out, the way that the Eterol works, that little portable recorder, is I can actually... Um, plug a microphone into that and then be able to use it rather than just using the mics that come on that are on top of the unit. So anyway, and and once I get all that system set up, I'll kind of see how that goes. Uh, but I think it'll probably allow me to uh, to kind of get that part of the puzzle put in place and I'll I'll be able to kind of get a little bit more of a quote unquote studio going. And once I get that stuff set up, I'll let you guys kind of know what my the ups and downs I'm going to have with, them. I'm sure there's going to be a learning curve here and there. And especially with the mixer, but uh, that's one thing that Vince, you know, is, is, uh, basically said that he'd help me with the setup and stuff like that. and Any questions that I have. So it's always good to, 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 you know, have sort of friends that can help you out and things like that. And, you know, even though I'm in Arizona and he's in, uh, uh, South Carolina, you know, we're almost about as far apart as you could get geographically, uh, you know, it, it, it's, uh, with the modern technology and with the, you know, all the stuff that we have, you know, we, we really do live in kind of a, you know, an age of miracles. Uh, you know, if you would, if, if my grandparents, when they were younger would have been shown the stuff and said, Hey, uh, shortly after you pass, a lot of this stuff is going to, you know, come into, come into play. I, you know, they, they would have, especially when they were younger, um, they would have just thought it was, you know, just pure fantasy or that, you know, that it was total BS and you could never do anything like that. So anyway, enough brick or chit chat about that kind of the recording stuff. Hopefully again it'll be a little bit more of a richer tone. When you're just listening to my show, if I don't have a lot of other other outside audio coming in, your brain kind of adjusts to it. But where I really noticed and what kind of wanted to drive me to sort of upgrade was that when I was, uh, when I would send in, let's say, um, audio comments to other podcasts that I listened to, uh, but especially to Vince, I really noticed a, a difference in the quality. His just had a um, mine seemed to be kind of on the lower stuff, kind of tinny. Uh, it, I mean, you could, it was clear and you could hear it. Okay. But it just sort of lacked some of that richness and it wouldn't, you know, this is an audio format. So I wanted to try and, and, uh, improve that and, and get it out as, as well as I could. So, uh, and also, you know, some people would say, well, what you're going to be spending on this stuff is kind of expensive. And that's true, but this stuff really, it, it doesn't wear out. It's not like, you know, and it's not like the stuff is going to get used hard. Uh, so I imagine, you know, if I'm doing this stuff five years from now that the equipment would still be, you know, running strong. Um, the only thing that I've heard, uh, and this was from, uh, some of you guys may, I don't know if I mentioned him or not, uh, Cliff Ravenscraft or Croft. Anyway, he's got a thing called the Podcast Answer Man and, uh, he is, that's just sort of his passion is doing that. Now he's got a, um, uh, he's got about a million podcasts that he does other things and, and, uh he does consulting and things. And I think that's where he, how he makes maybe his living now or the, or maybe it's supplemental, but, uh, but anyway, on the podcast answer, man, it's a really good resource. And his website by the same name is a good resource. If you're first starting out or if you have questions about things, um, also, if you can't afford, maybe you have a question and you can't really afford, to hire him as a consultant, he says you can you can send in an email or a, a voicemail to me, and then I can take care of it on the show, and then you you can sort of get get it that way. Um, but but with that, you know, you're not really guaranteed. So it's only probably if if you were talking about something that he would think that could apply to uh, you know a, a wide range in his audience and stuff like that. Um, but there are a lot of people out there who would who would gladly pay uh, you know, a couple hundred bucks and he can help you, you know, and with that $200 or so, I, I think it's maybe, uh, it's something like 80 to a hundred bucks an hour or something that he charges. And that, and while on the surface, that may sound like a lot, but if you're getting started out, like when I first started, holy cow, it was, it was like learning a a, a totally different language for me. And it's a different way of thinking. So, and it's not just that you're, you know, you, you, uh, like how I did initially, you know, I went out and bought like a $20 microphone, USB, plugged it in, downloaded the free software and was able to just start talking. But, and that part is relatively easy as far as, you know, getting an actual getting actually audio into your computer. But then the thing that, that, uh, and I picked that, that up, you know, that was kind of a no brainer. But the thing that was a little hard for me, because, just because I had no experience with it, was doing the actual, getting the website up, how do I contact I, iTunes, how do I uh, put pictures in so that if you're looking on it on an iPod or some type of a, a device that has you know a screen on there that you can see the artwork, um, how do I go about getting a domain name, how do I go about setting up the databases, you know, the, and there's a ton of stuff, and if, and if you know it, it's not that big a deal. Um, but you know, I didn't know really anything about WordPress. I didn't know anything about setting up the computer system. How to do it? How to how do I how do I get the files from my computer over to my uh, my hosting service? You know, you have to have what they call a, a what's it a FTP file transfer protocol protocol client, which is basically it's just a program that that you set up and you put in all your stuff and your passwords and junk in that and then it can it basically allows your computer to talk to your hosting service and lets you upload and, and delete stuff and and do updates and things like that uh, but then you know even to get the to get a website and stuff going uh, using WordPress there's different things there was red, wordpress.org as opposed to wordpress.com and there was all this other stuff now probably what I would have done had I known that this and I don't even know at the time when I was doing this about three years ago if if if, if uh, the podcast answer man was even around. Um, but if I had known that and known that was around, I pro- I would I tell you what I would have gladly paid that hundred dollars because he probably could have set up all that stuff for me within an hour maybe hour and a half or two. Uh, so even if it was going to end up costing you know one hundred and forty to two hundred bucks, I probably would have done it. But Realistically, uh, because it would have been simple stuff, and he could have said, "Look, this is what you do, blah 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 blah." Um, I'll go in, I'll set everything up, and so you don't have to do anything. This is how you upload stuff. Let's and it probably within the hour he could have got me all the way set up. So I could I could see, um, you know, somebody doing that because, like I said, it was such a it was such a big jump for me. Uh, and now that I've done it and I'm kind of used to it, it's not that big a deal. Um, you, you know, with uh, with WordPress, they have updates and all these different things, and so you have to update it. But that's a, it's again, once you do it a couple of times, relatively simple. Also, once you do it a couple of times, you can write down what you did. So even if you need to go step by step by step, kind of off of a cheat sheet, at least you've done it, and at least you've got the cheat sheet and you know that it works. Uh, so anyway that's probably uh bored most of you guys to tears about the technical aspect of it uh if, if you don't know if you don't have a lot of interest in it and you don't really have an interest in doing a podcast i don't know how enlightening that was but uh and if you and if you are interested in that and are a computer whiz you need know most of the stuff anyway uh but if anybody is out there and, and you guys are thinking about maybe wanting to start up your own podcast um like I said, we have friends of the show that listen to the show we have Ken that's got his uh podcast going, which is the exoskeleton magazine um, dealing with invertebrates so invertebrates excuse me and um, we got our friend we got our friend Nick over at uh, the new shooter podcast and he's got I think is it four or five episodes out right now um it's a really good show. I really enjoy it. You should go over there and listen to it. And the same with Ken, even though, now Ken's podcast is, is definitely a niche podcast, but I listen to it because it's cool just because you can learn things. And, you know, I know Ken and, oh, and that, that reminds me, uh, earlier in the show, I talked about that I had had, um, had to have a knee surgery, or I think I did. I mentioned it over at Firearms Cafe that I was going to be out, you know, I wasn't going to be able to put out a show for a little bit because I had some knee surgery coming up. Basically what had happened was is that I had a, uh injury which resulted in a small tear, and, and then that tear that was kind of formed a flap, and that had kind of folded under. So that normal walking, if I wasn't on my feet too, too much, uh, didn't really bother me too much. But if I was up and down, you know, bending the knees a lot, doing a lot of yard work or doing projects or things where I was having to do that, or then it would start to hurt pretty good or any type of kind of, um, sort of side to side movement, if you know what I mean. So like if you're, if you twist a little bit, you know, when you pivot on your foot, boy, I just get like a lightning bolt in there. And it's amazing how a small little injury can, uh, uh like that can really kind of limit you. So, uh, because of that, I couldn't do any type of, uh, really any type of long-term or sustained cardio exercise that my knee would just start um, just af- after a maybe a day. Um, I could really feel it. So if I went out and exercised, you know, on Saturday, by Sunday evening, I'd just be like, oh my gosh, and it would, you know, it would swell up and stuff. So anyway, I was really limited on that. But um, one of the things I wanted to talk about, well, the, the surgery went well, and I also wanted to thank Ken for, uh, he called me up, and I talked to him before I was going in, and uh, that was a real boost to hear from you, so I wanted to say thank you again. Hopefully, I wasn't too distracted as we were driving, uh, going up to the uh, to the surgery center, but uh, it, meant, it meant a lot to uh, hear from you. I just wanted to say thank you for that. What was I talking about? Uh, now, I kind of got off track. Um, anyway... The, um, the doctor says you know, everything should be up and running and I should be able to do good and I should be able to get back to exercising and things like that. But kind of what had happened, it, this is this is an injury that I've had for a while and when I initially had tried to, to look into why I was having pain and discomfort, I had a doctor that I really liked. Unfortunately, he, he uh, retired a while back. And when I very first had the injury, I went into him and I said, oh, I'm getting some soreness and it's this and that. And I've been doing some exercise. And what he says, well, just, you know, step back from that, try some different things. And so we did all this stuff and uh, the same thing would happen. If I laid off of it, took it easy for a while, it was fine. But once I started up again, boy, I'd start to get a lot of discomfort. Went into him, talked to him about it. He said, well, it may be maybe you're getting early onset of arthritis. You know, it could be a lot of things. Could be this is just something you're going to have to deal with. Well, you know, some time goes by, and uh, we're out goofing around one day, playing around and stuff with the family. And we, were, during the course of kind of jumping around, we jumped, we we're we we're goofing off, and then later that day, man, my leg swelled up. I could barely walk on it. So by this time, I had gotten a new doctor had gone into him and uh luckily he got me in pretty much right away. It was about the second day. Uh was limping on it real bad, could barely barely move it. Got in with him and he was like, Well he said, You you may or may not have some arthritis, but you've probably got sustained some kind of injury. But what let's do is let's take a an X ray and we'll we'll get the results back from that. Meanwhile ice it, you know, blah blah blah. So about a week or so goes by through icing it and kind of keeping off of it, it kind of goes back down Uh, again. It's sort of that same thing. Have discomfort with it. If I kind of push it a little bit, go into him and he said, you know, we look at their x-rays and he said, you may, may not have arthritis. I don't, I don't know. He said, uh, we can't really tell too much from the, from the x-rays. And I was like, well, then why do we do an x-ray if we can't see that it's arthritis? And he said, well, it may have been something else. So we wanted to rule out some other things. And he said, because you've had this problem for for a while, let's go ahead and get an MRI done. Because if you do have an injury, that's about the only way we're going to be able to tell because the x-rays aren't going to, aren't going to show anything. So he sends the stuff off. My insurance company denies it. And I'm just like, what? And he says, well, sometimes, you know, the pendulum sort of swings to where if they feel that they're in a need to save money mode, they're going to deny everything. And what they had said was is they had some doctor, of course, that I would never spoken to, that had never spoken to my doctor, that had never uh, looked at any of this stuff, and basically just made a, a, a spot decision based off of probably a two-line explanation that my doctor sent in saying, we want to test this guy on uh, an MRI for an injury, possible injury. And what they sent back was a letter to me saying, no, we're denying it, and you need to go through... And do physical therapy. Well, I knew physical therapy absolutely was not going to work. And uh, I, I called my doctor. And he said, "Tell you what, let's go see go see a specialist, let's go see a knee guy." And this was a person that's all they did was knees. And he said, "If that guy orders it, maybe they'll go ahead and do it." So I went and made an appointment. Some time went by. Got an appointment. Um, you know, because of course these you know a lot of these guys are busy, so you got to wait a little bit longer talked to him for about five minutes. He did an exam. He took x-rays of both my knees. He said, no, you have zero arthritis. That's, that's a crock. You know, he said a lot of times the the GPs, they just kind of are fishing for things, but he said, your knees are good and healthy, but from your symptoms, you probably have some kind of a, a a tear to the cartilage that's in your knee. You've got some kind of injury. So he said, of course, the only way we're going to figure that out is to do an MRI. He sends that stuff off. His office sends it off. They, my insurance company, they deny it again. And again, they, they send the same thing back, do therapy. So his office people say, no, don't do therapy. That's not going to do anything for you. And so they said, well, what we I need to do is we'll wait 30 days and you just kind of ice it. Take, take, uh, anti-inflammatories as needed. And then we can say that we've done alternate therapy. So I do that 30 days goes by. Nothing, you know, nothing has changed they resubmit they deny it again and so at this point i'm super frustrated um and then of course a bunch of other stuff is going on just to, you know life in general so um about 5 6 months goes by and then it, it rolls around where it's time for my my yearly physical and like i said i mean i can walk on it fine but i can't run i can't do any type of major exercise or jump around or anything like that or i'll, I'll really be paying for it so my physical comes around i go in talk to my guy again and I'm like, I've still got the same problem. It's not getting any better. I said, I'm not going to do therapy because I, you know, I know my own symptoms in my own body better than somebody who's just off in an in a office building somewhere whose who's, uh, interest is not my well-being but the well-being of the company. And I understand that. Um, so he says, well, let's go ahead. I'll resubmit. And he said, well, we'll write it up and we'll, we'll see if we can't get him to, to go ahead and do it. And I said, well, if it doesn't, I said, I will pay for it on my own. And the concern that I had was, and again, you know, I don't know, I don't deal with insurance companies all the time. The concern that I had was, is, well, if I go out of their sort of treatment plan, are they then going to say, you know, well, you went out of the plan now, so we don't have to, um, we don't think the tests are valid, or blah 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 blah, this type of thing. And he says, no, you would go to a place basically where they would, with they would accept the results. He said they're not going to be able to say this MRI doesn't show, you know, A, B, and C type stuff. So, and he said, and once you have the actual proof of the injury, then you're gonna, will be, able, they'll pay for it. They'll go ahead, and you know, they're, they're not going to really be able to deny it. So I was prepared again to just sort of say, well, we're just going to have to pay for it by myself, and then I will, we'll kind of go from there. Well, this time, for whatever reason, they went through, not a hitch, no no big deal. So I went and got the MRI, and of course, you know, that I, had a, I had a tear, like I had explained before, and uh, going to a guy who's, um, I made sure that, you know, uh, did a little research, made sure, and, and called their office. Uh Found out, you know, a person who had a good reputation, a person who's been doing it for a long time. Uh, and then I found out, talked to the off people at the office, said, this is the type of insurance that I have in in the in the realm that you deal with, with all the things that, that we're going to need to go through. Do you take this and do you anticipate any problems? So they looked at it. They said, no, it should be fine. We take your particular insurance, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so went in, had an appointment, same thing, five minutes. He's like, Yeah. Um, the, the only thing that's going to help you is going to be surgery. It's not going to get better on its own. It's not going to heal up. So we got it set. And then a, a few weeks ago, nah, it has been, I don't know how many days now. Um, probably 12, or 12 to 14 days, probably 14 or 15, maybe uh, I'm doing pretty good. Still got a little bit of bruising, but I've got the, had the sutures out, had my follow up, all that stuff. I'll go back again at the end of the month and uh, they'll they'll sort of do everything. But I, I can already tell a difference um, because they kind of go in there and root around. You sort of have some sensitivity. Uh, my recovery time and everything wasn't too bad. The first couple of days I was on Percocet, which I did not like. Um, I tend not to try and not to take too much medication and things like that if I can avoid it. Uh, but it did help. Um, but the side effects made made me kind of nauseous, and it made me kind of um, uh, kind of drowsy. Uh, but it also kind of altered the taste of food. I was still even it's funny. You're you're it makes you a little nauseous at least for me. But I was still hungry, and so it sort of made the the uh, the taste of the food kind of off. And uh, after a few days, I was able to kind of change out the bandages and do all that stuff. And you can pretty much walk on it right that day it's it's what they call post-operative so you go right out but like i said i'm healing up doing pretty good looking forward to being able to actually start to exercise again uh he said this is like a common injury that you know a lot of times football and basketball players things like that hockey players get this stuff and they go on and and uh you know rehab just fine and play he said that i, sh- I really shouldn't have to do any therapy or anything like that uh and then probably about, uh, when I come in later this month, it'll all be able to actually kind of ease into doing stuff. So anyway, that's kind of a, Oh, a quick update of kind of life here at the, uh, at the armed ape compound. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to talk about. What I'll do is I'll go ahead and I'll, we'll, we'll uh, we'll drop in some of the feedback and I've got a, a movie review from Eric. And uh, so we'll go ahead and play that now.
1: Hey, Tony, Eric here with a quick movie note for the Arm Day podcast. Not really a review so much, um, not really worth reviewing, but I recently saw Superman, Batman, Apocalypse. This is an animated direct-to-video feature from Warner Premiere. Eh, not worth reviewing. Uh, I can't recommend that anyone check it out like, oh, this is so great, you should definitely see this. But if you're kind of a comic geek or just a geek in general, there is some stuff in here that's that's kind of worth seeing, but it's worth seeing on the geekery level. It's not really uh, worth seeing because it's a great movie, although any time that Batman is voiced by Kevin Conroy, I'm a happy camper. Uh, They also had Superman continuing to be voiced by Tim Daly, uh, who, in my opinion, is a great animated voice for Superman. Really appreciated that. Um, The geek level is this involves Apocalypse a whole lot less than it involves uh, Supergirl as Superman's cousin coming to Earth. Uh, They call her Kara. She's voiced by Summer Glau, who continues to be, I think, the ultimate nerd fantasy girl. I mean, come on. She was a Terminator. She was in Firefly. She was in episodes of the 4400. What can't this hottie do? But uh, so that was kind of cool. The other thing is the art style is based off of oh, and I, Michael Turner. Michael Turner created uh, Witchblade. Fathom, and actually penciled the original uh, storyline and arc that this animated feature was based off of. So it was kind of cool to see the artwork done in a Turner style. Uh, Turner was taken too soon by cancer, in my opinion. Uh, He died, I believe, in 2008 at the age of 37. And he was one of those rare guys that I don't think really aped anybody else's style. He did have his own unique style. You could look at it and say, Hey, that's, that's a piece of Turner artwork. Uh, he was one of the guys who got copied rather than copy other people. And from all accounts was a pretty decent guy. So kind of cool to see that, uh, really like the way he draws females. And I know it's not because of big boobs or anything. He just had kind of a distinctive thing that I thought the way he did faces worked really well. Unfortunately, I don't think it translated all that well. Uh, to some of the male characters in this animated feature. Um, The the way the mouths are drawn, it just looks strange um, seeing that that Turner-esque style applied to male faces that are then animated. Comes out kind of weird, but uh, worth checking out for the geek level there. Uh, This is not for kids. Please don't... Screen it before you show your kids. Uh, Someone gets stabbed through the chest. There's some... PG-13-ish language, so just be aware of that before you show small kids. Anyway, um, kind of cool for the nerd level, not so much for the movie itself. And I uh, thought I'd let you all know about that. you take care.
0: Hey, thanks, Eric. Now, sometimes I agree 100% with what Eric thinks, and sometimes on his uh, movie reviews or movie recommendations, you know, we disagree on certain things. On this one, though, I would I'd say that I'm probably about 100%. Uh, with you on this one eric if you're an anime fan and then also you kind of add another layer to it if you're a fan uh of you know superman or batman um or of any kind of the comic book adaptations that um dc and marvel things have done uh batman and and the superman are off of the dc line or uh, company whatever you want to call it um they, a lot of these things are direct to video as opposed to, you know, of course they're not going to get any type of a theatrical release. Um, but they don't, the the stories that they do are still pretty simple. Uh, and and they're, they're shorter and the, um, uh, the concept of them was that they were going to be definitely more PG 13. So you're going to have, um, the violence in this stuff is still, is still, you know, cartoonish violence. The, um, the language is a bit more salty, but they do actually have, uh, deaths in them. Uh, so people do die. Uh, Eric had mentioned a part where someone had been stabbed through the chest. There were actually several people that were injured, were, were killed. Um, but again, it's not something that, if you're not a fan of animation or if you're not a fan of comic books, it probably wouldn't hold that much interest for you. You know, if you're kind of a nerd and a geek like Eric and I are, you forgive a lot of the um, uh, the simplistic storytelling and things like that. Now, having said that, now I had talked about I think this and talked about some other. Uh, Marvel and DC things that were going directly to, uh, video. And and again, like I'd stated earlier, I listened to, uh, a short little interview that was on, uh, I think I'd actually gotten one of the discs from Netflix and it may have been, I think it was when I, when I had watched Planet Hulk, which I actually really liked. Um, and, uh, uh, and I've read some of the the series of the of the comic book and stuff like that, but um, I thought they did it pretty well for what you know for what they were doing uh but I recommended I think this and some others, and again, kind of with that caveat of if you're a fan of of comic book stuff, if you're a fan of um of animation in general, these are kinda of, i think gonna be up your alley and kind of worth your thing they're they're age wise uh I don't know, probably again depending on the kid, but probably any kid that's, you know, 10 or 11 uh definitely by the time they're 12 they could handle pretty much anything that they're seeing in here cuz again it's still con it's, it's it's cartoon violence. Um the blood and the stuff that they do show on there is very minimal uh you know from what I remember. Uh, but again uh well worth your time if you're a, if you're a big nerd like me and a big geek like Eric, so all right, let's go ahead and let's hear from Brad.
2: Hey, Tony, Brad from West Michigan. Hey, you know, I was uh, listening to the Armed Ape and uh, your opening story about the situation <clears throat> and, and I think it was London or in England there, where a band got arrested for singing Kung Fu Fighting. Um, you know, there's, there, like you said, there's so many things wrong with the way that was handled based on how we perceive things here in America with our freedoms that we have. Um, I guess the only thing that I wanted to throw in the mix is uh, we we can't look at that, and I think it's easy for us to look at that as American citizens and go, geez, I'm glad I don't live there, or, you know, geez, uh... That will never happen here, but, uh, you know, we've got politicians. <clears throat> I won't name names, but we definitely have politicians in office today, very high-ranking politicians in office today that are paying attention to that garbage and thinking that's a good idea and thinking, boy, you know, those cameras, they sure ca- they sure catch a lot of crimes, you know. Boy, uh, those cameras sure do uh, prevent people from doing bad things. <clears throat> and, you know, maybe we shouldn't be singing kung fu fighting because it does offend people and this kind of thing. And <clears throat> that's pretty frightening. And I think that we've become pretty complacent in this country, enjoying the rights and the privileges that we have. Rights being uh, in bold and uh, underlined about five times. So it's pretty scary that that stuff happens, even in other countries where we have people here who are looking at that and agree with that kind of crap. And I think the only message I would send along, and I'm sure you agree, is, you know, we need to stay active here. We need to stay on top of this stuff. We need to be NRA members. <clears throat> we need to get involved with local, with local, state, and uh, and uh, federal politics. We need to make sure we're talking to our elected officials. Um, staying on top of this stuff and keeping the garbage out like that, and making sure that they that they know that we're not going to stand for that stuff. Uh, Our founding founding fathers, in no way, shape, or form, even if they were here today, would accept that kind of behavior and would not want that for this country. We certainly don't. Uh, I know I don't, and I know that there's many, many hundreds of thousands of millions of people in America that do not want that. But there's a select few of high-ranking politicians who probably think that that's not so bad. So I guess it's just my uh, soapbox saying, let's all get on board, let's stay on top of things um keep in touch with your elected officials you've convinced me that that is a great way to go and i've been doing more and more of that and i appreciate that tony and uh you know a standing member of nra second amendment foundation uh i I focus a little bit on that because it seems like that's kind of a hot topic right now it's always been a hot topic for me um i think once they take or believe they can take gun rights away um you know what's next you know how many um how many rights can they find reasons to strip from us, you know? That's about it. Um, thanks for the show. It was a great show, Tony. I really appreciate it. Um, take care, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.
0: All right. Thanks, Brad, for sending that in. Um, what he was referring to was on the last episode of The Armed Ape, I had uh, read a story about a, uh, a band in England where they were singing the song Kung Fu Fighting. Fighting, and a, a Chinese gentleman uh, said that he was being oh, what was the term he used? Racially abused or something like that. Anyway, you can go back and kind of listen to the last show for some of the details, or you can Google it. And uh, I'm not sure kind of what's happened with it. I know that the guy was actually contacted by police and was and, and was arrested. Uh, and, and when they're using the term arrested, there there may have been. Sometimes that's, uh, if, if the police cite you, can cite you and release you, and, and you may have still been technically and legally arrested, uh, if it's something other than maybe like a traffic offense or something like that. So even though they didn't cuff him and, and probably take him down to the station, that type of thing. Uh, but anyway, to some of the points that Brad was making, you know, a lot of people out there will tell you that it doesn't do any good to get involved in in the political system because it's rigged and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but again, I I don't believe that. Um, I believe that we can make a difference. And I do believe that politicians uh, who want to remain in power do listen to the public. How they listen may be a little bit different than, than what you or I or the average person would think, how they receive a message. But... If we look back at when uh, Obama first came into office, uh, there was a people were very uh, concerned, uh, and especially if you're a gun owner, people were very concerned that if I don't have a AR-15 style rifle, or if I wanted to have a uh, an AK-47 a semi-automatic version, that I'm not going to be able to do that because he's they're going to push through and ram through. Uh, reinstatement of the assault weapons ban. And, uh, that did not come to pass. And one of the reasons that that did not come to pass was because so many people were so concerned with that and they were concerned that there may be, uh, regulation on ammunition on, on pretty much everything that would be semi-automatic. So people thought, well, Before this stuff gets pushed through, we're going to go out and we're going to get what we can get. And so what you saw was, for a couple of years, and I guess really probably about a year, uh, it was for the, um, you you couldn't go into a gun store, you could not find any type of uh, AK-47, any type of um, AR-15 any of the, the you know those type of rifles you couldn't find any of of the uh you know militarized versions of or the civilian versions of those of those military rifles you couldn't find them uh and even to a certain extent you saw things like um SKSs uh and uh, some of the other uh, other military surplus rifles even those kind of were starting to get gobbled up but it seemed it was more so more the SKS because with the SKS you can get a different stock and then you can get larger, uh, capacity magazines for them. Uh, they come uh, standardized with an inbox or an inbox with an attached mag, the attached box magazine, good heavens, get it right. Um, and they hold, I, I think where they hold 10 rounds and there, it was a semi-automatic. Anyway, even some of those got kind of scooped up. Uh, and it took a while, it took about a year before everything kind of settled down and then what happened, there was a couple other things. Is since a lot of people sort of thought, well, if I need to go out and I need to buy one before I can't get them anymore. And that introduced a lot of people who maybe normally wouldn't have purchased a firearm or kind of thought, well, you know, I'll get around to it one of these days. You know, maybe when I retire, I'll go and I'll pick one of these rifles up or something like that. Or uh, So anyway, a lot of people went out and bought them. And so a lot of people went out and they stockpiled ammunition, which I don't have a problem with. That's fine. Uh, but what happened was, is you would go into a gun store, or you would go into Cabela's or you would go into, uh, even Walmart and there would be nothing. They would have no ammunition at all. There would be no, even the components, uh, were very, very scarce. Uh, you didn't see any, there were no, uh, primers there, uh, even reloading the, the actual reloading equipment, um, was was rare and the dies and everything were all back ordered and especially for things like nine millimeter uh 45 um in the rifle calibers 223 ammunition um and uh, for the ar-15 types and then for the ak-47 semi version you know they, they shoot the 7.62 by 39 so all that ammunition all that stuff was gone prices went up uh, now you go into in, into them. Now everything is back. Um, all the ammo is back, pretty much for the most part. Prices haven't gone down to what they were prior, but almost um, they're within maybe a dollar or two, from what I'm seeing. Uh, I used to buy those boxes of um, the UMC bulk ammo for nine millimeter and, and uh, for forty-five. Uh, because I'd shoot them up, and then I've got the brass. The brass is still fine, uh, and then I would reload. So, But uh, again, all this goes is an illustration of the point that the politicians listened to that. They saw that, and they saw that people were voting with the most powerful thing that they could vote with. Not their ballot, but they were voting with their money. They were voting with their dollar. And that sent that sent a huge message, a big, loud, and clear message to you, to the point to where when you had Eric Holder kind of spouted off about wanting to have uh, the assault weapons ban reinstated, you had Nancy Pelosi, who, believe me, is at the time was Speaker of the House, who was no friend of uh, any gun owner out there, was saying, you know, basically, you know, shut the hell up. I uh, know we don't want to do that. We're not interested in doing that right now. Uh, and then at the time you also had people like uh, like Diane Feinstein, who was gone on uh, did an interview with uh, Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes. And basically w- they were asking her about that and they were saying, well, you know, right now, isn't this a bad position politically for the president to have to take or for you guys as Democrats to have to take, uh, you know, to push more of, a, of a, uh, an aggressive gun control agenda? And she basically said, and I've played the quote on on, uh, Firearms Cafe a bunch of times. Basically said, "That's right. I won't do that right now. I'll pick the place. I'll choose the time, and then you know we'll do it." Meaning that, uh, and and we saw to a certain extent when the shooting happened in um, in Tucson. You had people that even that were uh, who said that they were Second Amendment supporters, things like that. We're pushing for restrictions on, uh, you know, high-capacity magazines and this and that. You know, they don't want anything over ten rounds. Blah blah blah. And again, the majority of them know that, that none of that matters. All it is is just basically a foot in the door. Um, but I do think it is important that we contact our elected officials and that they they know who we are and that when things come up. When they do something right we talk to them when they do something wrong we need to send in some you know even if it's just an email handwritten letter i think supposedly works better um but especially and and, you know those are kind of our our federal people but especially at the local level because at the local level you can actually get in and talk to those guys you can meet them uh, and you can have uh Maybe not powerful influence on them, but if you're contacting them all the time, and especially if you live in their district, they pay attention to that stuff. heck uh, They pay attention. The the people that I've written to that are in my district, and I've talked about it before on my other on my other show. But and I know this, we're getting a little political here today, but eh, so what? Even people that were kind of on the opposite side of certain issues that I've that I've talked to them about because it's local stuff, I usually will get an actual response. Uh, some of it's canned, you know, kind of a canned uh, letter, just a form letter. But a lot of times there are things where they reference specific things that I say. Uh, and I think Brad, and again, going back to uh, Firearms Cafe, he had, I talked about, he had sent in some, uh, some letters to his representatives and they Again, they sent stuff back referencing what he had talked about. So they do listen, and it does make a difference. And like I've talked about before, all politics are local. The guy that is going to be on your city council today may be the governor four or five years from now or ten years from now. So you can have an influence, and that guy who's the governor... Or the guy who's maybe your state legislator Maybe he's going to run for Congress Or maybe he's, uh, he's going to run and want to be a senator or, uh, and, uh, or be in the House of Representatives uh, So again, I think that we can uh, Have an effect on who some of our representatives are And kind of some of the nonsense that they do all right. Let's see. I think that's going to be it for the feedback today. I did kind of want to go back to one uh, another thing that uh, I wanted to talk about with the knee surgery, and that is, it, it worked out for me that the my insurance went ahead and paid for it. You know, they actually uh, you know approved of the test. But had they not, I was ready to go ahead and pay for it on my own. And it's a point that illustrates. that if at all possible you really need to start kind of getting your financial affairs in order if you haven't done so already you need to work very very hard at reducing your debt Uh, the less debt that you have the more freedom that you're going to have if you know if you've got a couple of car payments and a couple of credit card uh, bills that have a high balance on them you know, again, start with that smallest thing and then work up, you know, pay that one off. And then, and, uh, what you were paying on that little one, uh, start applying that to the other things. And once you get rid of your credit card debt, start working on your car, your loans, if you've got them. Uh, and then, you know, eventually you can get up to where if you do own your own home and you are in debt with that, some people say, Oh, you know, that's, that's kind of a good debt to have, Uh, because you can deduct, you know, stuff off your taxes. Uh, But the dirty little secret is, of course, is there is no such thing as good debt. There is no such thing as good debt. There is no such thing as good debt. Um, That was something that my dad basically drummed into my head from the time that I was probably about 14 years old and actually kind of started, you know, talking to him about certain things like that. Um. If at all once once you can get all the way out of debt and a lot of people have done it um you you it's almost like you get uh a raise because that money that you were having to put out before now you've got, and you find that well man i've i've got i've got we've got more money coming in, and we can actually afford instead of paying for something on our credit card we can actually afford to wait a little bit and then go out and just and, and pay for it. Now, some people do the thing kind of like what we do. We put a, just about everything on our uh, one of our credit cards and then we pay it off at the end of the month. But we also monitor that thing. We make sure and we've got we make sure that we have the ability to pay that off at the end of the month. Uh, and this is, you know, what I talked about a long long time ago when I very first started doing this show. I talked about, you know, what would be sort of the minimum that you would want to have saved up as far as, as as uh you know kind of like a little nest egg. And for me probably the minimum would be three months worth of your highest bills. So let's say that and we'll just use you know for round numbers to make it easy. Let's say that the the most money you were ever going to spend in a month, um, if you if you took everything from the year and you said, okay, these, these were the, the highest amounts that I had and, uh, and it was going to be a thousand dollars. Um, that means you should have a minimum of three, about $3,000 saved up to get you through those three months. So you would look at, okay, well in, let's say like out here in Arizona in August. And, uh, you know, those are going to be probably our higher Utility bill. So for the year, that's the that's the one that I would take. And let's say if that was, uh, I don't know, three hundred dollars, whatever, you know, whatever it's, it's going to be. And then you look at our car our car tags came due this month, and that was you know another hundred bucks, and this was you know this and this and that. And so what you do is you do that, and you say, well, if if all that stuff came due on one month, how much would that be? And some people would say that's a little bit of an overkill, and some people would say, well you know, with my mortgage and with my car payments and with this and with that. Another thing, you know, I would have to have, you know, $12,000 saved up, you know, by going that route instead of just doing an average of what the year is. But I think if you do something like that, if you say, if everything kind of hit, if it was the perfect storm and I had, and and for whatever reason, you know, uh, I had to... Hey, all this stuff and, and it was just the highest the, the highest rates that we ever had, you'd still be okay. Um, that perfect storm probably isn't going to hit. And even if some bad things do happen, if you've budgeted kind of what your highest your highest expensive average would be out of all your stuff so your highest utility bill, your highest phone bill, your highest um, if you've got gas, your highest gas bill. And that's what you use to say, okay, this this is for my one month. If I had to pay the highest of each one, how much would I need? And if you did that by three, you're really probably going to have five to six months worth of, of money to pay your bills because you're not going to have all those high things hitting you at the same time. So by doing that, you are going to extend. But but the main thing is, is if you had an emergency, if something bad came up, and that's the money that you had saved up, You've got a nice fund there that you can dip into um, and and when you're saddled with debt, and when you're loaded down with debt, doing something like that almost seems impossible. But once you get some of those things paid off, and once you realize you know what I don't really uh, I don't need you know to to uh, go out and buy a new car every three years maybe you you just take care of the one you got. And you say, you know what? It's nice not having a car payment. And guess what? My car runs fine. I took care of it. I got and, and really, with today's with with today's modern vehicles, if you just keep the oil changed and the fluids topped off, uh, keep your tires up the right air pressure, things like that, and take care of some of the little things when they come up, your cars will last a long, long time. Um, the hoses, the belts, uh, most of your engine parts now are designed to go thousands and thousands of miles when I was a kid. And especially, you know, when my dad was younger and, and uh, and, uh, you know, cars would overheat all the time. You hardly ever see a car that just a regular car that overheats, uh, people, if you got maybe 10,000 miles on your brakes, that was a phenomenal thing. If you had tires that lasted, you know, five to 10,000 miles uh, you know blowouts were common, but you know the compounds everything is is so much better now that if you just take minimal care of your stuff, it'll last you a long time uh you know, and don 't fall into that trap of keeping up with the Joneses and things like that um, well, I think i've kind of rambled on and babbled on for long enough, like I said, hopefully you guys will notice a little bit of a difference in the sound quality. Uh, I think that it will give it a little bit of a richer tone, a little bit fuller tone. Um, some of you guys may notice a little bit. Some of you guys may say, eh, it you know, sounds like the same old thing as it always did." But um, uh, I've listened back to some stuff when I did some testings, and it does sound, uh, it does sound better. So, all right, my monkeys, I will sign off uh, for now, and uh, I will see you next time.
1: This guy's got a monkey scrotum and he's bragging about
2: it.